This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, I'm getting sick of them, Ricky Widmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. Ricky's not bringing the energy of the What's Up, What's Up Nation. No finger what's guns. Up, what's up, what's He's up? He well, popping them no pistols. Vi- no video podcast. I can't see See, See, I mean. I just, feel like your fans really need you to do it every I, week. I, I but if they I can't see gu- you. I finger guns in my heart. But outside of outside of, <laughs> outside of of Ben, I mean, What's Up, What's Up Nation kind of crumbling. I haven't been seen a lot, so. Uh, the, no, the, it's still alive. It, it, it's We're coming up on January, too. It's, it's losing its what's energy up, what's a little up, guys? bit. What's up, what's up? It's losing its energy a, a, a little bit. But anyways, uh, on this episode of the Fast Break Podcast, we are going to be talking about the new CBA that was just signed and just agreed upon between the Players Union and the NBA. We're going to be talking about how it affects the league. It's going to be going in effect uh, the 2018-2019 season, I believe, so that offseason going into that season. Uh, so we will be talking about that. Then we're also going to be talking about the Utah Jazz. Are they built for the future? Uh, you know, If they could bring back Gordon Hayward, how long can they actually have a reign in the NBA and can they actually win a championship down the road and then we're going to wrap it up talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, we're going to be talking about can he become a superstar in Milwaukee uh, more of is he going to be limited by his market because obviously he's been playing at a lights out level but is he going to be limited by this Milwaukee market but anyways let's jump in guys we are going to be talking about the new CBA agreed upon by the players union and the NBA and the first thing that is obviously clear Something that was obviously made clear by the players union and probably more of the owners was that super teams are going to be hopefully a thing of the past in their mind because the way that now extensions and, and re-signing players have been built, you know, teams that have a player like, you know, say Kevin Durant, you know, they are going to be able to offer him significantly more money. And the uh, the kind of the example that was brought up to me uh, was that, you know, the Pelicans can offer Anthony Davis something when he does resign something like a six year contract worth 250 million. But on the market, he would get four years, 190 million. So yep. obviously hurting player salaries and, and trying to limit uh, super teams. So first off, do you think the new CBA and specifically to super teams is good for the NBA? I think it's great for the NBA because, well, it, it feels like it's almost hurting players' free agency. Because and it is, it, it's outright out there to damage free agency. It, they the NBA doesn't like super teams. The NBA likes parity. Mm-hmm. They want to see a fair level of competition. Just because your friends there, buddy, doesn't mean you can all stack up on one team and beat everybody down and make the NBA a worse product for it. So I like the new CBA because it it kind of saves the smaller markets because mm-hmm. you know teams like the Pelicans like OKC and I mean even the Jazz even like Milwaukee they're not going to be without this CBA they wouldn't be able to retain top talent without players like having some deep connection to the city there there's no logical reason that a player would pass up on playing on a better team with a better chance to win a championship other than pride for their city now it's it's the lowest common denominator of all people is money. It's just out and out. We can give you the most money if you stick with us. I think it's great. See, I'm leaning more toward, like, when I first heard it, I was like, I don't know how to feel about this. Because, yes, it, it, in principle, it feels great where it's like, oh, Kevin Durant, you get to keep a star like him. You get to keep Russell Westbrook. Like, Anthony Davis coming up, you get to keep him in Well, you at least New have a better chance. You, these players aren't going to, well, let's be honest, they're not going to walk because money talks. Any player, Most players are going to take money over anywhere else because in the end we want to make the most money that we can make we'll say a guy like in you know in anthony davis i mean obviously he could be he would be walking away from a lot of money here but 
I mean, the one thing with th- this is, is that I just want to say, like, if he has a bad relationship with the owner, mm-hmm. say, like, a CP3, but he won't get traded away, and, and you know, when CP3 wanted out of New Orleans and, and possibly, you know, he wasn't able to be traded away, they can, you know, obviously lose significant money but still be able to leave. On the flip side, though, I kind of feel like this is a bad thing for the NBA hmm. only because really? this is going to put a ton of pressure on GMs to hit on draft picks. Well, you don't hit on draft picks, that means fans are going to be like, great, we got this scrub for X amount of years, and then great, we get to maybe sign them for six years if we want to. I, I agree with you. I, I think it also hurts you know, Scrooge McDuck owners, too, mm-hmm. because in Chicago we know we've got a cheap owner, and that hurts us in so many cases. And we're usually a lottery team, so we're not getting the like creme de la creme in the draft. But one thing year. I want to bring up and about that, though, is uh-huh. – is you know, if if pe- people do see like a superstar, at least a, you know a guy in the top five where he could be a fringe top five player, but you're you know, you say you're back at eleven, you might want to mortgage oh, your future. You're, you're definitely more incentivized. And, and that might be more interesting and make the draft more interesting, where you want to move up so you're able to not only get this guy for his rookie contract, but then keep him for longer because you can you offer have a guy him more for money. Ten years. I mean, that, it's it's outrageous how long that if if everything plays out right, like the the way you could lock down a player. Is fantastic for an owner, but mm-hmm. same time as a player, like I mean, it could having be to good walk for players away, too because you're still getting money. Right. From I it. mean, you're still going to get money, but having to walk away from tens of millions of dollars just to have your preferential choice of free agency, I mean that that almost feels like a slap in the face. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know well, from a player standpoint if they're all fans of this. Part of me feels like, and this is why I'm generally right now saying it's a. I say it's a loss. I think it's the not the worst, but it's one of those things that I'm not happy with. Because one, I feel like players like I'm going to use Anthony Davis as because like he's the, in a shit situation. He's in the shittiest situation. Do I go somewhere and take less years and less money, or do I stay in this? And I'm going to call it a shithole in New Orleans. I mean, New Orleans is a fantastic because, city, well, but the, the organization, the for organization basketball, for basketball. Yeah, you're, you're like Anthony for, Davis because of the CBA. I am going to say it, he's never going to win a championship. Never, because it's going to be, oh, I'm going to sign here for six years, the max money, because I'm going to take my money over going somewhere else, and then the organization's not going to be able to build around me. Another interesting thing that I think could happen because of this, we had the weird rule this year where, you know, after the draft lottery, kids out of college were able to kind of pull their name, like, I'm not coming into the draft anymore, because that lineup Mm -hmm. was solidified. If I'm a number one pick... And let's say I'll throw the 76ers out there just because they could be the number one pick. If they're there, Better be careful. and I'm a kid who's like, I don't want to fucking play there. I wonder if more kids are going to say, eh, fuck that. Because as a kid coming out of college, yes, you want the money, but you're going to be locked into that. You're going to feel like you're locked into that situation because of the Benjamins. It is a very high gamble, though, for, for a guy to say, I'm going to walk pass, away from yeah. possibly you know, $250 million and then get injured in college and then, and then lose but all that it, money. But on the same side, if you're going to look at it in an NBA side, you want to go, you you could just, go to a team you want to play for. You could Eli feel, Manning it and just say, I'm not going to play for you. Don't don't you pick could, me. I'm not going to work out for you. You could do that, but you know? how many teams in the NBA would actually pass LA, on that? LA, Manning are the two biggest, and they're both NFL, and I understand that. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, there hasn't been uh, a large case that I can think of off the top of my head where a player just outright did that. I know uh, KP, actually, uh, Porzingad, mm-hmm. refused workouts with the 76ers. So that, in a way, was that's probably the closest thing we've had recently because if your agent just says, no, we're not going to work out for you, as a team, you already feel that like cold edge of okay, this guy's not gonna mm-hmm. be working with us 
to make it better. So we probably are going to pass thing, on him. The thing that's different there, and I just want to throw this in, is Porzingis, though. It's like I feel like kids coming out of college and overseas kids are different. With Porzingis, it was like, well, okay, we don't really know a lot about this guy from what, just from what we've seen. Whereas college kids, it's like, ah, you know, we, we've seen what we got. We're still going to take you. But also, correct me if I'm wrong, but the last draft, with, with it was either Simmons or Ingram, they also refused workouts with one team. Initially. I, I, okay, because I, I, I just remember there was some reports. Mm-hmm. It was either ben, correct. Ben, ben or Brandon. I, mean, I think it was Ben with it was the 76ers. Ben. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that's the, the one thing. I don't think guys like, you know, uh, looking at the, the, the upcoming draft class. Like, like Lonzo Ball. Like, yeah, Lonzo or uh, Fultz or, or Giles will turn down because they're going to a certain, certain situation. They well, want to play in the NBA, and I think that's yeah, the, the, the main that, thing I for them. I think the dream the of money. making it, yeah. Well, yeah. It's always, like, I, I'm going to draw it back to the money. You want to go and make the money, but... I'll use Fultz is different because he's on. I'm sorry, Sean. I know you're a Washington fan, but they're not a like they're not a team that's going to win anything. So they're not going to win championships. But like for a guy like Giles, who cares about winning from, a college com, championship? Coming, coming from Duke, and you're like, hey, I won one once. I don't want to play for this team. I'll just come back and play for Coach K again because that sounds like such a bad but, thing. But then you're not getting you know money in that and you're potentially losing out on your career yeah i mean because if if a freak accident happens that that's it you're no longer worth what you were because you chose to go back plus, i'm sorry college like you get the guys who are college you know four-year five-year players that's great you can go win a couple championships and if you come out in your fourth year you know as a senior mm-hmm. great for you but like underclassmen who are coming out as top 10 picks or as top you know draft lottery picks those guys I'm sorry, none of them give a flying fuck about a college championship. With with big guys, too. I mean, looking at uh, Joel B, Greg Oden, uh, Nerlis Noel, yeah. they have very high significant yeah, time, and both they have, they have a higher chance of getting injured just because of how big their bodies are. Yep. So I, I think I think that I, I, I could definitely see, I well, see your I'm, point, but I'm just saying I, I don't see it Mine more is like, I'm not saying like, oh, I want a college championship. I want to win another one. I'm just saying in Giles' case, if he chose, like, I don't want to play for this team and this is where I'm probably going to go, he's a kid that can go, oh, you know what, I can go play for Coach K because, like I said, that's really, like, that's a bad thing to go play for a great coach like that. I'm more on the fact of is this with the, like, six years more money. It could be scary to lock in, Is it one of those things where we see more drafts like the Anthony Bennett draft because players go, you know what, I don't like this team. This is where I'm projected to go. I'll go back to college. I'm not saying we're definitely going to see that, but it's interesting to see if that will play a factor I, into it. I, I understand your point. I just I just don't think it's going to be happening just because of the you know the obviously risk of getting injured and losing out on a year of money, which is a year of you know getting closer to a, a max deal of six years. And then all the million. sponsorships. I mean, you got to yeah. think about like in today's NBA contracts make so much of sponsors. Yeah, and, and we we talked a little about rookies here, but really, I mean, the big thing was super teams. Um, then obviously the money extensions that we talked about where if you're uh, re-signing with the team, you can get significantly more money, which is going to help lower uh, and, and small market uh, teams. But also the one thing, too, is less games and it's an easier schedule for these players. Shorten up the preseason and then you're moving the season a week forward. So then games are more spaced out. You're not getting four and five day, uh, four games in five days. So what do you think that will really do to improve the NBA, at least from a uh, product standpoint, because these guys are going to be more well rested. You're not going to see LeBron James, K Love, and Kyrie Irving not making the trip to Memphis. Do you think that this can possibly improve the NBA play? 
I I'm more on the fact of I think that I know it wouldn't have ever happened, but I look at it and I go, I know it's all about money, but I look at the lockout year we had a couple of years ago. Season started on Christmas, went to the same time. I went, well, why move the season up to space out the games? Why not take away some games? Just have the season start on Christmas, start this weekend. Football's gearing up for the end. Because let's be honest, like, I know Dave is the one. I know, Sean, it's money. That's what I said at the beginning. But, like, I know, like, Dave, really big into NBA. Yep. Where it's like, but most of us, like, I'll admit, I'm one where if I'm going to choose between an NFL game and an NBA one right now, I'm choosing football each and every time. You're going to get an NFL season that's more towards the end in the playoffs, so you won't have to compete with them right in the heat of their middle of their season. I always I like that. Season started on Christmas, had a big bang, you get five big marquee games, and then you get to go a shorter season, which you won't get those, oh, well, I could get wear and tear because it's less games it's the same reason, every year. It's the same reason there's a expansion team in, in, in Charlotte. It's the same reason there's an expansion team in – or there was an expansion team in Vancouver. I mean, you're able to make a ton of money off of the NBA, and that's the only reason why that's going to happen and that's not going to change. But at least players will be able to regenerate. They'll be able to rest. They'll be able to take games off and still play near 82 games instead of, you know, LeBron playing 76 because he took a couple games off. So I think that's – one thing that's going to help players and plus we might see more opportunities for players to play 82 games and and players to go on these crazy streaks and players to be able to win all 82 or you know you know, Russ won't be able to have to take a game off. He, he'll be able to rest after a triple double and then go out and, and be well rested there. So I think I think it's definitely going to improve the the actual games uh, that they're that the NBA will be playing because you won't be seeing you know guys playing 22 minutes where you know Demar Derozan just played 45 and then has to play 22 because he's playing the 76ers. He can go for 45 again and and he doesn't have to worry about getting injured. Uh, one thing we, we didn't touch on too about the new CBA, they just deflected on the one and done rule completely uh so that's another year of not even addressing the one and done rule do you think that's a problem at least for the nba well it's we've talked about it before but do you think they should have talked about it i mean that's why i brought up before with how that the contracts might affect the draft because really yeah they didn't change anything about the one and done i'm on the proponent of they need to because what this is going to do is let's say nothing changes but the draft well, you're going to be having kids coming in and these superstars are going to be on that team and it's going to be, I'm going to use the Pelicans again. You miss on a draft pick and it's going to be like, great, this year was a waste. This year was a waste. We didn't get anybody, especially if that draft pick is a dud. Yeah, and, and I think just, I think with we talked about one and done to to till it's dead pretty much. And we, we were, we're all in agreement that, I mean, that, that players should be getting paid in college. And just to wrap up the CBA talk, Dave, is is the CBA good for the NBA? And then any final thoughts in, in the CBA that's really sticking out? It's I think it's great for the NBA. Uh, the, the base salary went up across the board for all these players. They deserve to get more money. I think that's one of the biggest discrepancies in sports is the fact that, you know, in the NBA, players get so much more money out of contracts than they do out of their actual teams. Owners end up pocketing way more cash percentage-wise than any other sport. So I'm happy that players are finally getting something to their benefit. The downside is, you know, free agency is a loss now. Uh, but I think all in all, it sets up the NBA for the the players have a very 
outspoken you know thing when it comes to the NBA players union rather than any other leagues union so I think that the NBA has a, a better chance to guide it to where they want to you know we talked about lengthening out the season spreading things out it's better for their health and now that the increased cap money is there for contracts as you get older and we're going to see players mm-hmm. older in this league playing more because they'll have that spaced out season so mm-hmm. I think all in all the players are going to get more money and we're going to see healthier players long term I think injuries hopefully should go down now. I want to throw out one question to you, Dave. I know before the podcast you mentioned how the most of the guys near the top yep. for the players' union are LeBron, CP3, Melo, D. Wade. I want to put yourselves in the shoe of an yep. Anthony Davis. Yep. Are you a little bit Big angry? Big shoes there, Dave. Are you a little bit angry with them because now you're sitting there going, well, okay, I was going to leave, but I guess I need to stay because it seems like you four – just want to fill your pockets up. Yeah, and just to kind of clarify that, um, one of the proponents in the new CBA is that players who are, are are the age for the long-term contracts has been raised up from 36 to 38. Mm-hmm. So now you can get a long-term contract at 38. Basically, we're going to see LeBron getting a potential $50 million a year contract. Uh, of course, CP3 and Mello will be roughly the same range and weighed up there as well. I mean, it's just absolutely silly amounts of money. Uh, and, yeah, I think it does kind of hurt uh, guys who are in poor situations. But at the same time, you got to think that, look, you got to think long term. And really, that's what the CBA. The CBA is not a one-year deal for a reason. It's setting up the future of this league for multiple years at a time. So that way things aren't going to change every year. And you have that stable base to know that Anthony Davis, look, you'll get yours, kid. Just be patient. And one day you're going to keep collecting those ridiculous paychecks. And one thing, too, I mean, media backlash and just fan backlash is going to be a huge thing, too. Because if, if you know these GMs aren't able to bring a winning team to a city like New Orleans and they see a player like Anthony Davis and, and you know they're losing out on the draft consistently, not only are you going to see your GM fired because they're not bringing a positive team and, and teams and your fans are getting less interested in the, in the product, so then the owner's going to be wanting to bring in more players. Uh, you know, new, new GMs will see, all right, what was the old regime doing? wrong and they're seeing a player at Anthony Davis who's now 28 years old 20 or 30 years old who's been you know wasting his career in New Orleans but can still get a huge you know return on on, on the trade market I think that it's it, it might hurt him immediately and and maybe he does want to stay in New Orleans but it might hurt him immediately the fact that he will you know he'll have to take 250 million and play for New Orleans. But then the fact that he will be able to uh, play later on and get more money later on as well. But uh, you wanted to bring uh, just something one, up. One final question for you guys. Do you think that at any time the NBA could go towards a non-capped contract like the MLB has where you can just dole out cash left and right no i think the fact that the i think the mlb is it won't won't go away from that but the fact that you know you look at the nfl and how how that's built how they try to get parity how the nhl does that as well mm-hmm. and, and you know uh, cap restrictions are tighter on teams that just won championships it's to keep markets flowing and and the fact with the mlb is they kill it in, in in larger markets i mean if you look at the the world series you're killing it in chicago because you know I, i've won because of the cubs you know long but reign in, of not being in there but the but fact that chicago baseball, is a bigger there are market people that are trying to get a cap on baseball so you but don't get 
like the Yankees of the nineties and the Steinbrenner Yankees. But that's the smaller smaller markets. And, and mm-hmm. the fact with baseball is is they've been their ratings have been going down and down and down and down, but recently we've seen them go up and up and up. And that's more because of the bigger markets are able to spend more money, bring in more people, and then you're getting bigger markets coming in. And then the fact when you know you see big markets like Chicago hasn't been there, mm-hmm. you're gonna get you know a more well, nationwide uh you fandom get a massive come influx in. of yeah. new fans to the game because of all those young players. And that's why I think that if you fo- if you spend more money, you're forcing the other owners to spend more money. It's, I don't think you can go lopsided. I know the Athletics mm-hmm. are like one of those teams where more. they're notoriously cheap. And I know there's teams equivalent to that in the NBA, but like forcing teams to spend money should not be seen as like the ultimate bad thing in the NBA. I think that I think that's a better direction to go and then these like weird locked in contract situations. It's one of those things where I take it to effect. I'm going to bring this to. I can't remember if it was Sean or Dave that which one of you guys brought it up. But Vancouver. Why there was a team in Vancouver? Why is there no longer a team in Vancouver? Oh, that's right. Because nobody wanted to go play for Vancouver. And there's going to be like if I if if we get rid of a cap, there are going to be the low market teams. Nobody's going to want to go pay for play for you. It's going to be okay. So the NBA season's in January, February, December. I'm going to go to somewhere that's warm. But what Dave's saying is more of smaller markets might be able to give one player so much money where you know other teams in larger markets won't be able to give uh, you know that 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 sole player that much money. Like more of you know if you see a guy like Chandler Parsons and you know yeah these upper fucking Sacramento slobbering over Chandler Parsons and they're like all right we're going to give you 280 million every other team's like yeah we were going to give him like 190 we'll pass it is that really a good business move to give one well, that's, player that's, that's the, the money that's yeah it was, <laughs> but no but what I'm saying is, is like that could happen and, and I mean it, which it's, would that lead to a better NBA is the question no but I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I think that a, a it's cat, an interesting thought for the direction mm-hmm. of the NBA I, th- I think a cap is a very smart thing and I, I think I think the new CBA has put in a lot of positives because you're you're expanding you're able to have two-way contracts now for for fringe players you're expanding their their money that they're making you're going to bring more players from you know overseas like guys like Rudy Fernandez and, and bring them over to the NBA and I'm just using him as a uh just a you know a, just as a small thing <laughs> uh just because I love Rudy uh but you know you're able to bring him over he's able to make more money he's a, be, be able to play in the D League play in the NBA I know he's like 32 but still um, the, the fact that you'll be able to get you know veterans more money, you'll be able to get younger guys more money, and, and they'll be able to make a, a living wage possibly being able to, to work up to an NBA franchise. But I think that for small markets, for big markets, I think that it is good because it's going to force large markets to draft well, like the Los Angeles Lakers. It's going to force the New York Knicks to go away from their old style of you know just throwing a ton of money at free agents. And obviously that's hurt them in, in, in the long run for, for most part. And, yeah. and, and then it's going to go to small teams like the San Antonio Spurs and Utah Jazz to draft well. And then when they try to leave, you'll be able to keep them. And we'll bring that up because now we're going to the Utah Jazz. And, and, and you know, good good transition, Sean. Sean, thanks. Nice job, um, Sean. Uh, but we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Gordon Hayward and, and specifically the Jazz. And, and really, are the Jazz built for the future? And I bring up Gordon Hayward because his contract is coming up. He does have a player option for next year. So if he takes it, then he'll be able to extend it for one year. But he can possibly become a free agent this year. And, you know, so he'll have one year under the current CBA but the next year, he will be able to get a, a, a large contract uh, that, that was brought up. And I don't think he'll be getting Anthony Davis money, but he'll still be able to get a very significant contract from the Utah Jazz. So, first off, question is, are the Jazz built for the future? 
Absolutely. I think this is a team that has a, a deep amount of talent, and the biggest thing was Smart Smart was in the offseason. They picked up George Hill, which a lot of there was a lot of question marks about George Hill because of his age. He's getting older, but dude still got it. He still is playing fantastic, and I don't think there should have been questions. I think the Pacers sold him way short of his value. Uh, so it was a great pickup by the Jazz, and he's been a huge help to this team. I know he's been hurt, but... Look, he'll be like the the thing is, this is a team that we haven't even seen them hit their stride yet, and they're still performing this well. When everybody's there and everybody's healthy, this is one of the scariest teams in the league because of how deep they are. I, I think they have done a great job building up. And uh, I was joking around with Ricky before the show talking about Gordon Hayward, how much he's grown in the last five six years. I mean, just look at a picture. Of him I mean, from yeah, twenty ten. Yeah, now. he he looks like about a, what a buck ten soaking wet. Uh, now he's like a full grown man. It's just bizarre to see. And like he's always been a stud when it comes to shooting. So he's almost, really grown. Almost his game. made that shot against Duke too. Uh, whatever, almost man. made it. Whatever. But no, look, this is a team that top to bottom in the draft and everywhere in free agency, they've hit on it and they've been building up a franchise like the right way. This is like the NBA's like, yes, you've done this correctly. We should reward you with success. But, you know, they've had the short on the stick on some injuries. I think this is a team that's going to be definitely set to be a Western Conference contender for years to come. And well, this is a team that, I mean, look at the competition. That The big thing that's going to stand in their way, Clippers, Rockets, Spurs, Warriors, the competition that they have to face within their own conference. But the thing that I wanted to bring up, though, is is more for the future. Because right now, I don't think this season they're going to be competing for mm-hmm. a championship. But I think they can definitely be uh, spoilers in some as- aspects. And I think that they can either be on the level of the Grizzlies, where they are a very deep team and mm-hmm. a team that doesn't have a huge superstar. Or they can take that next step well, and be the like the Spurs that have a very deep team who don't have a huge superstar. I know Tim Duncan was a superstar, but mm-hmm. but but more of they have guys that fly under the radar and, and are constantly flowing in because they draft so well and, and are a deep team and, and take that next step and can win titles. Well, the interesting thing is to me they have at the end of this year two big, one possibly big free agent, and then another big free agent. First off, George Hill, he's the for sure will be an unrestricted free agent. After the season, does he stay? Does he go? How much money do the um, Jazz pay him? Are fans going to be happy if, let's say, they overpay him and give him, like Dave said, the money that the organization, hey, you played up, this is how much you're worth, even though maybe you might have gave him a little bit less? And Gordon Hayward. With me, if I'm Gordon Hayward, I am opting out of next year, and it has nothing to do with the Utah Jazz. The only reason why is I know before the podcast we were a little iffy if the new CBA starts before the 2018-19 season or after that season. Either way, you have to look at it this way. If that new CBA starts at the beginning of the 2018 season, great. That is right before I am going to be a, um unrestricted free agent. Otherwise, what, I have to take a one-year deal? No, I'm going to opt out of this deal. I'm going to get the money that I have now, no matter where it is. It, 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 it is the 2018 season. So if he accepts the player option and then becomes a free agent in 2018, he'll be eligible right He away. will be eligible yep. for, for the CBA, for the new CBA, so and, really and, and for the contract extension. So really, if you want to stay in Utah, he'll accept the player option. If not, just... No. I mean, he could even take a one-year contract and get more money than 16 mil because he'll be able to stay there for 16 mil. And then if he leaves here 
a, a, in free agency and then goes to a team like Boston because I know he's always you know to go to Boston that, yeah. because of his ties. Stevens. Yeah, his, his ties to Brad Stevens, and plus just the fact that they do, do need a small forward. I know mm-hmm. Jalen Brown's been coming up, but still, um, you know, he'll be able to sign with Boston, and then Boston will be able to give him contract extension. I, I don't think it will be to the same effect of a guy who's been there for multiple years, right. but you'll still be able to get more money than any other team. So I think looking at that, I mean, Gordon Hayward does still have options. Even well, the, the question CBA is, is now, does he does he want to blow a bunch of money or draw a bunch of money from the Jazz this year mm-hmm. and you know force their hand on that, making the team possibly worse because they won't be able to spend the money in free agency. They might need to to fill in you know some more vital role players for them. Um, I think that it really depends a lot on this year's success, and I think that you know I, I mentioned earlier it's injuries. So if they can't get healthy and they can't get to the second round of the playoffs. I don't know if he is really interested in coming back because he could be like, you know what? I'm staring down at the West and I see horrible problems for the next couple of years to come. Maybe I do want to go to the East. Maybe We're, I don't want to stay here. I'm just staring at the Raptors and the Cavs. Everyone else is, well, what, about three games between each other? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's definitely a lot of room for competition in the East. So I'm just I'm a little worried because he it, it, it all depends on him. And look, Gordon Hayward is a great guy. And like he comes out publicly, does a bunch of stuff for the community. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, dude. You know what's best for you, what's best for the franchise. They might not be the same thing coming up. And that's the whole thing. Like, the whole question of, oh, are they set up for the future? It really hangs, like you said, Dave, on this free agency class coming up. Because Gordon Hayward, I'm going to say right here, if he is, if he denies the player option and doesn't accept it, he ain't coming back to Utah. And the reason why is I think it would be a horrible organizational move to spend so much money on a one-year deal just for Gordon Hayward. If he but, says, no, I don't want it, I'd be but like, But that okay, one cool. year gives you the bridge to get to a six-year contract, then it's so and, worth it. And if you believe this is the, the actual cornerstone of your franchise, a guy in Gordon Hayward yeah. who's, who's been putting up great numbers, and you have a guy like um, Rudy Gobert who who's just extended. Yeah, yeah, you just extended. You have Rodney Hood for a while now. I think he, his contract runs up in 2019. And you have him for dirt cheap. I believe he's still on his rookie contract. Yeah, he's, got, he's, he's making like three two mil. mil if he takes his player option that year, which I don't think he would. No, he's worth way more than that. And one thing too with with Derek Favors as well. And uh, looking at Derek Favors, I mean, he's coming back from a knee injury, but he's still locked up for another year. Uh, and he he he's making eleven mil. So if he doesn't. Is he, if he isn't able to come back from that knee injury right away, his value is going to go down. They might be able to sit, uh, save him for cheap. So yeah. I think I think that looking at this team, and Utah specifically, I, I think that they are built for the future because if you're able to bring back Gordon Hayward, a guy who has been able to show that he's not only a great shooter, he's good driving to the basket, and he's, he's just a good player overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have a guy like Rudy Gobert, who's one of the uh, you know elite rim to, rim, rim yeah, protectors. Yeah, he's definitely locked down on that. Yeah, yeah. In, in the NBA. And you have a great scorer in Rodney Hood, and you have obviously George Hill. You don't even need to bring him back, but if you do bring him back, that just yeah. strengthens your team. Yeah. And I, I just think that you have young guys like Dante Axum on that team, I, I, and he hasn't been performing as well when you know they originally drafted him, but he has been dealing with some injury problems. I just think that this team, especially Trey Lyles as well, I just think that this team will be able to bring in guys like how the da- Dallas Mavericks used to build their team. They'll be able to bring in guys who are kind of aging or who are kind of past their prime but can still bring you know great scoring like a Joe Johnson, how they, how they did this season. I still think that the Utah Jazz, as long as they can keep players like Rudy Gobert, Gordon Hayward, 
uh, Rodney Hood and, and possibly Derek Favors if he's able to come back from that injury around, they will still have a great core, and that core will be able to compete. And I think they could be like the Dallas Mavericks of 2011 when they upset the Miami Heat. I think that they can kind of be near the level uh, of the San Antonio Spurs uh, of old. I don't think exactly like that level because I think that's pretty insane to say that they can be like Tim Duncan, yeah. Tony Tony but Parker. No on that level, yeah. yeah but, but but Or like the Memphis Grizzlies who are constantly well, playoff the are constantly competing, but they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Again, it's injuries, but they're also built kind of differently because they play that real physical style. They do. And they but have a couple just, bigs. More of more of how their success, and, yeah, and not really the which the is play a bunch style. of interesting pieces. Yeah, so, so I could see that. I could see them going out in free agency and being able to fill out this team nicely. I, I think the Utah Jazz are a team that's built for the future. Plus, they they do have draft picks, and, and obviously they've shown that they've been able to draft well. They drafted Gobert, they drafted Hayward, they drafted Rodney Hood, they drafted Trey Lyles. They've they've drafted very very well for themselves. So I think they are a team that can definitely build up. And I, I think that the, the, you know, looking at this the, these players. Hayward's 26, Favors is 25, I believe Gobert's 24, Roddy Hood's like 22. I think this team's really built for the future. Yeah, the question really just comes down to, you know, if everything clicks this year and they can take it deep in the playoffs, make it worth Hayward's time. That's all I got to do. Well, and the thing I think of, and this is the future's a tricky thing because you never know how anything's going to plan out. But right now with how the four teams at the top of the West are built, I think the Jazz at the most could be, hey, we're a fifth seed, like perennial fifth seed. I because disagree. The completely. Clippers, Rockets, the Clipper, Spurs, Clippers and are the biggest question. The, they're, they're, and like I said, the future is weird how things will play out. If any of those four fall out, it's either the Clippers you, or the Rockets more so. The you Clippers. also have to think the, Clip, the Clippers have capped. The Clippers can't get any better. Yep. I mean, Chris Paul is getting older, Blake Griffin's getting older, DeAndre Jordan's getting older, and JJ Redick—they have hit their prime. But they—that's we've seen what we've seen. So really, it's just you know, we've yeah, coach's we, son. We got we got to get a little Rivers out there. We've seen, building up his game. We've seen what we we can see from the LA Clippers, and I think yeah, that sorry. I think that if the Utah Jazz can improve and, and, and get better, I, I think that they can jump up to a three seed. And plus, I think the, the Rockets are over overachieving a little bit. Because and plus, if you look at they're that one team, injury away from being awful. I mean, Eric, Eric Gordon, Ryan Anderson, those two guys go down. I mean. The, the, no, the, I'm just saying. You, you yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying that those guys go down. I mean, you're 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 definitely going. You're just declining completely because those guys have injury history. James Harden's fantastic, but yeah, we've seen. <laughs> that's not that, I was worried. I was like, uh, we, we've so worried about those two. We, we've seen. Well, um, but I mean, James Harden. I, James Harden hasn't had the injury problems like Eric Gordon. I mean, fair. You, like, look at Oklahoma City. I mean, as long as Russ is healthy, they're going to be in in the playoff hunt. And I think the same goes with Houston. I think Houston's definitely been great, but I think that they have been overachieving a little bit. And plus, with the Spurs, you know, you're always waiting for that drop off. And again, it's it's kind of ridiculous to expect Ain't a drop off, but happen. not going to happen. But, but you know, looking at Lamarcus Aldridge, I mean, he's getting older. Uh, Paul Gasol's getting older. I mean, you still have Kawhi, but then it's really how much can you bring back in through free agency and the draft if you're going to be a team that's going to be at 30 or, or how, whatever they're going to be in the draft. How how well are you going to be able to draft? And bring players in because obviously they've been doing yep. a fantastic job. But how much can they keep up, and how how much can you really bring in to help this team? So I, I think that the Jazz, yes, they might not be able to over overtake the Golden State Warriors in, in the next four years or however long KD and and those four will be playing together. But I definitely think that the Utah Jazz can give them a run for the money because while Golden State is so good at the top, the Utah Jazz do have the depth, and and I think that it, it sh- has shown that you know if you're able to gas them out and then you have a great second unit uh, built of veterans, I think that the Jazz can definitely be a team that can fight for a Western Conference championship. The thing with the Spurs I just want to throw out there because this is one yeah. analogy that I just thought of. 
I kind of think of them as like the New England Patriots standing wise. That is not of, the first time anyone's thought the of that. <laughs> NBA kind yeah. of. Well, they're always one two, always one two. Got a great coach. The only difference is they don't have a Tom Brady. Or if you want not to anymore. say, if you want to say they're Tom Brady retired earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Kind of retired earlier than the real Tom Brady. Definitely. Uh, Tom Brady's still going to be playing for five years, more years, but it's a different conversation for a different podcast. But anyways, uh, Jazz, I think, are built for the future. I think that as long as they keep this core of Hayward, Gobert, and, and Hood, I don't even think Favors needs to stay around. To be honest with you, I think that you can find someone like Trey Lyles who, who's more versatile than Derek Favors, even though Favors is great down low. Do I think you that move this is... Favors maybe next year? Because, I mean, he is making $12 million. If he's healthy. If he, if he comes back and he's healthy, then no. I think I think you you can either trade him the next year, but if you're a playoff team and you're still able to compete, you and you well, have no, that's, like that's that. what I'm yeah. saying. Next year he's making 12 million. Do you maybe move him next year in that contract year? I mean, if he's still putting towards your team and he's still making you a better team, and he's you know he's got you in the five seed, then no, it, it, you you would let him walk if if, you, if that means a possible two seed or, or championship. I think I think it just depends on on where they are, and that's just something definitely for along the road because I don't know where Derek Favors will be. Derek well, Favors might fall off a cliff, and they might it, trade him to the. Everything the about the Jazz future revolves around this offseason and what Gordon Hayward's going to do. And I, I have trust in Gordon Hayward too that he that he believes in the little man. He went to Butler. He believes in the little man, and I think he's going to go with with Utah. And I, I just think that Utah's built for the future. But anyways, let's move on to a different small market team, and we're going to be talking about Giannis Antetokounmpo, a, a guy playing out of his mind, the Greek freak. I mean, we talked about him a little bit last year at the, near the end of the season when he took over for the point guard role for Milwaukee, and, and obviously he was playing lights out then, and he's just been nothing uh, short of what he was doing last year. He's been absolutely ridiculous. I mean, just looking at his stats. 22 points, I believe, near 10 rebounds and, and six assists a game. I mean, it's been utterly ridiculous. And two blocks and two steals. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean he's a all, stat stuffer. Yeah. He's a stat stuffer. And, and, you know, some people might be coming to this video and being like, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a, is a superstar. What are you talking about? We had this discussion with, with uh, DeMar. Mr. DeMar DeRozan, and it wasn't the fact that, you know, superstar level player or, you know, the caliber of a superstar, it's more of superstar in the fact that he's getting national notice because Milwaukee I mean it's not a big sorry, market at yeah, all. Sorry you're it, not it's New York, you're of, not LA. It's more of if this guy was in LA, how big of a superstar would oh, he be? Incredible. That, that's the thing. So I just want to clarify that we're not saying that he's not a great player because Jesus Christ, look at the kid. He's he's ridiculous. We yeah. we said is he is he big uh Russell Westbrook or small LeBron James. Uh but but really I I think that Giannis is a superstar, but how much is he hurting that he is in Milwaukee? Uh it's it's only a little bit. I think that he is someone who can bring Milwaukee like sports like to the national level again because what he's doing is something so unique that we haven't seen really and well, up until this year, triple doubles were very rare and players who were kind of teetering around that level were fantastic players and he's someone who this year like you said you know 22 9 and 6 he's right right in that dangerous area and he's one of the best performing players and the thing he does above all else is he makes his team better around him so not only is he a stud of a player on your team but he's also a cornerstone of your team and he's a guy who you can build around for a long period of time and this guy has progressed so much in his first couple of years in the league like he started out i mean no offense, but like he was one of those guys who it was a stretch in the draft. Everybody was like, I don't know if this will pan out. We'll see where it goes. He was kind of a weirdly proportioned guy who wasn't built up yet. And we we watched him grow into someone who can do everything. We talked stat stuff or absolutely top to bottom, anything on the statute. He can fill it in for you. And 
I think the best part about it is he is like super energized to play basketball. So I think if you're looking for a superstar who fits every category, he's media friendly. He is market friendly. He is team friendly. Like everything you want, he's got it. It's just a matter of how long if he can sustain this level because we watch him progress. The question is like, all right, is this just like another small peek into the window of greatness that you will become? Because he's still a young guy. Yeah, and, and the one thing, too, with you bring up Milwaukee sports, I mean, you constantly look at the superstars that they create. I mean, they draft Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and, and Kareem stays there until 75, and then he goes to, to L.A. to a big market. And, and blows and, up. Well, and yeah, Kareem was a fantastic player in Milwaukee, too, yeah. but it was just more, he blew up because he was in L.A. He yep. was the guy who brought titles back to L.A. And, and then you look at a guy like Oscar Robinson, Robertson, and, and he, he that was in his later half in his career when he, when he did go to Milwaukee, and that's when he was putting up those ridiculous numbers of, uh, of triple-doubles. Uh, in the 70s when he was playing with Kareem. But then you look at, you know, Milwaukee Brewers and, and you look at, you know, just the, the, the you know, the Michael Redd. The state of Milwaukee Red, right now, though. I yeah, mean. Michael Red, Red before. I mean, they haven't created that many superstars. The, the, the superstars were either created where Oscar Robinson's leg- legacy has not been reached and, and people have realized the ridiculousness of him now, yep. the fact that he averaged a triple-double in a season, or the fact that, you know, Milwaukee had a guy like Kareem and then he went to a big market and then people realized that. So I, I think that... Milwaukee does limit his potential, and, and I'm not saying you know playing wise. I think it's just more of the fact that they cannot bring you know another superstar, and, and, and I mean not that, but the fact that they can't bring national level attention or, or big market attention to him, yeah. and the fact that he, you know they're not going to get a lot of primetime games because they're not going to be bringing him that many viewers. I think that's going to be very difficult, and I think the one place that he could kind of change that is the All-Star game. Because if he's able to go out in the All-Star game and make a significant impact, or he's able to go out into, I don't know, say like the dunk contest or something, he's mm-hmm. able to make a ridiculous impact, or the playoffs. I think that's the one play where 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 stars are made, and it's not really in the regular season. So he can have a fantastic year, but if the Bucks aren't making the playoffs, then he won't get that national attention. I'm going to, looking at his contract, I just think of one thing with Giannis. I think that this window for the Bucks around Giannis they got two years. The reason why I say that is not necessarily like, oh, Giannis is going to fall off after two years. It'd be stupid say to he's say. He's 22 right now. But he's I look at it, I have, you, you have two free agent classes, two of them, to build a team around him. You have two years to get the pieces that you need to compete in the East. Because I look at that 2019-2020 season salary, oh, it's a little green number. That's an early termination of his long-year extension that he signed. Guess what? He's going to opt out of that because of the— like, after the new CBA, that sets up perfectly for a new extension. Also, it could be one of those things where it's like, hey, we're not doing so hot because we've fumbled on some things. He may terminate and walk. They might even—like, 2018-2019 might be an interesting year for— the Bucks, because if they can't build anything, like, yes, they are getting better. Yes, they are a top four seed right now in the East, but they got a hit on their next two off seasons. One thing, too, as well, looking at looking at contracts, because the other great player in Milwaukee is Jabari Parker. Uh, if you look at his contract, he, I believe it's a, it's a, it's either, he's a restricted free agent. It's, it's, he's a restricted free agent, but yeah. also he, his contract goes up in, in 2018, 2019 so as well. So you're going to have to pay him. So you're going to have to pay him. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to pay Giannis as well. And, and looking at Milwaukee, obviously the, you know, cap caps set and it's, it's a, it's a the, hard cap. The there. good thing though about but, Jabari is, and this is me just kind of thinking about it. 
Greg Monroe's deal will officially be done the same year that Jabari's is done. So I just look at it and I take that 17 mil that Greg Monroe's taken and put that in a little bit more to Jabari. Yeah, and, and what I was more saying was the fact that if you have these two players, you're going to need to hit in the draft, and you're hoping that Thonmaker mm-hmm. can hit in the draft. Well, I, I mean, you right got to watch out because Thonmaker's prime is passed, so like you got you got to <laughs> lock says it down. 19, but he's really like yeah, he's come older. on, we all know. <laughs> yeah, and you have you have a good player, 38 year old man, right? <laughs> you have a good player in, in Delhi, and you, I mean, Tony Snell's been been good so far, and also Brogdon's been good, <laughs> good been good off the. Sorry, you said Tony Snell, and I just as a Bulls fan can't handle it. We can't talk about the date. Uh, the Bulls, Dave. Uh, Brogdon, though, uh, off the bench has been, been great, too. But, yeah. but the one thing is they're okay. either going to need to hit in the draft for a big man so that you can you know put players around, or at least shooters, because, I mean, you have two big guys there. I mean, possibly a guy a guy who could play, uh, who could be a rim protector for you so Giannis can, can roam and, and be free to to really play any any position. But, but what I'm trying to say is you need to find a third piece there, and you need to have a deep bench. And, and I think that looking at Giannis and, and Jabari, those two are two great pieces yeah. for you but i think that with you know no one else really around there and no one else near their level that can take over a game i think that's going to really hurt them and i think that's really the reason why you look at this team and, and they haven't been able to take that jump or they're you know going to be able to cement themselves in the playoffs this year i think the biggest thing like you said was needing to get the guys around them i think brogdon absolutely fantastic choice of pick uh, and the other guy is Thonmaker, like if Thon develops into anywhere close to what we think he can be, he's a guy in a similar situation to Giannis when it was like, guy is not ready for the NBA, but he has the talent. He has the raw makeup to be a great player in the NBA. So let's work with him. Let's give him time. And what I really want to see is him develop on the court playing with them because I think that would make just one of the best core, like one of the best teams youth wise under 25 like that's that's ridiculous levels of talent if you put brogdon and, and thon maker together think, on top of parker on top of Giannis, that's a very that's a very very good young core if thon pans out i think brogdon that was a bench player for for his career i, th- I think i, I, I don't think brogdon likely will that be a or like man, that but, or like a danny green type of player where he's playing because of his ability to well shoot. that's that's my thought is you need to shoot because you have jabari who's so great at going well, to thon maker have, apparently is a shooter you ever see that kid? i mean it's, <sighs> all he did when in uh summer league was fire up threes yeah yeah i know but it's you have two your two best players are slashers right now yeah so you need outside shooting so that's why brogdon is so valuable i think that's I agree with you, and I'd just like to say that, just to give you some context around uh, the LeBron light discussion we brought up earlier, at 22, LeBron put up uh, 27, 6, and 6, shooting 47%. Uh, Giannis at 22, 9, and 6, and shooting uh, 52%. So, it's scary. It's it's outright scary. You also have to bring up the change that has happened in the NBA since... 2004 2005 where you didn't see a lot of point forward i mean lebron really took over as point guard more near 2010 and stuff like that he was still he was still a very you know great player and he usually did have the ball in his hands but he was more running the offense later on in his career where giannis started year one yeah giannis Giannis started running the offense so i I think that to, to go back to the question i think that Either Giannis is going to have to make himself a superstar in Milwaukee, or that he his, his cap is going to be limited. Because I think that talent wise, he can be on the level of a James Harden, uh, of a Russell Westbrook, of a Demar Derozan. Because I mean, look at what he's doing already. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. fact that he's not getting national attention like these players because yeah, he's he not was, in a place if like he was in Trump. L.A. or New York, like he'd be on ESPN like 
all day, every day. It, mm-hmm. it would be the Giannis show. So I, I mean, I think I think that Milwaukee is has a great player, but I think that Milwaukee is is held back on, on the place that he is. But uh, really, real quick, just to just throw it out, early season thoughts. Thoughts: Will Milwaukee make the playoffs? I mean, they could. Well, the they? reason why I'm saying they could like the is call. well, no, I'm not. Piss I'm not going pot. to. And Piss the reason why pot. is. Between the three and I want to say the tenth seed in the East right now, it changes daily. Like for example, like for example, the Bucks just beat the Bulls as we were talking about this. Bulls went from like six to out of the playoffs. So it's one of those things that changes each and every day with wins and losses, wins and losses. So they could just because of how competitive the East is going to be behind the Yeah, Raptors I mean, if, if the, the Magic win two games and the Celtics lose two, you know, Magic are the number three seed. Don't put that curse on me. Instead of the number 12. Don't so put that curse on me. The East has some time to spread out. I, I don't want to put the Bucks in the playoffs yet because I don't think they're ready, and I don't think they will for, they will they will put up a good fight against most teams at this point. They're just not built for it yet. The one thing I do want to say is that I talked about that early termination year mm-hmm. for... Um, Giannis. Giannis, I think it would be to go back to that superstar. I don't think he's going to be a superstar unless he's in a big market. It'd be interesting to see if later in that career, if they he gets traded to a big market. You think he's you think because traded, team, or you think he's well, going to be one of the guys who walks away from big money to go play in a big market? He seems like, a, hey, I'm young. Why not go get that ring? Because looking at it, I mean, just looking at the players that have uh, that you can really have this discussion with. I think the ones that come to mind are Tracy McGrady in, in Toronto. He felt like that was early Toronto, where Toronto yeah. wasn't getting the net, the attention they were getting. He went to Orlando. Same with Vince Carter. Vince Carter wasn't getting enough money. Vince Carter didn't feel appreciated in Toronto. He went to pretty much New York. I mean, he went to Brooklyn. He went I'm to New think, Jersey. I'm thinking New York for Giannis in two years if oh, he does leave. Yeah, him and, and KP teaming up. That is just Mellow and Rose won't be there. It's we'll, true. We'll, 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 we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I think it's going to be very interesting, and I think that. The the point we we're trying to make, I think also a place that you can you could throw out there is Miami, Miami and Whiteside. I mean, him and Whiteside would be ridiculous. So yeah. I think it's Pat it's, Riley knows how ba- to bring Basically, him in. what we're saying is Giannis is a fantastic player who anyone I think, around him is better because he's there and he's a great fit anywhere. The I, problem is go get yourself somewhere that you get media attention. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I, yeah, Bucks. I, I just, you're not going to pull in free agents. I think the only way that you're going to be able to create media hey, they attention. Got I can't. I mean, I wish there's a camera here for my face right now. <laughs> I think. I think we're, we're gonna punching balls. We're gonna be wrapping up this Not podcast. Kicking, but punching. All right, we're gonna be wrapping up this podcast on that that note. Uh, there, uh, I, I agree with you guys. I just think that he's either gonna need to leave and go to a big market to become a superstar. And again, we're talking about like the level of media attention and, and the level of uh, of fan knowledge of him. Because obviously, the, if you're watching a video on Giannis Antetokounmpo with, on a channel that has four thousand subscribers, you obviously know who he is. But we're talking about the people who you know go into. But, general public yeah, who's watching yeah nba t- the general public but really i think one last thing before you wrap everything mm-hmm. up can we get can we get a moment for uh craig sager a little bit of moment for craig sager am i taking am i stepping on your shoes were you going to do that no i i actually forgot so thank we, you for we got, thank you for we bringing got, that we up we got to talk about yeah. craig sager a little bit yeah we can we can talk about craig sager I, I i totally forgot so thank you for bringing that up uh yeah craig sager uh, passed away yesterday. Uh, I believe he was 65 years old uh, yeah. after his battle with cancer. Uh, obviously, well documented uh, in in the last NBA season. He was a finally able after to do his uh, first NBA Finals game in Game Six in Cleveland uh, after 30 years of working with uh, Turner uh, on the NBA broadcast. Uh, Craig Sager, uh, one of the one of the best parts of TNT. I mean, TNT is obviously the the premier 
uh, I would say the premier basketball channel, at least when you're when you're talking about games, yeah. because ESPN's great. But uh, you know, with TNT, you have obviously the pregame with Ernie and and, and Charles and Shaq. You have but, all the personality in the world, and that's but, what, that's what it was. And yeah, yeah, you have, you have Kevin Harlan, and obviously, you know, when you go to Craig Sager and, uh, on the sideline, it was it was something different. But yeah, I mean, Craig Sager was was something else. The thing that I and this was me listening to Dan Patrick show today, and obviously Dan Patrick actually knew um, Sager, but the one thing he said that I'm like, wow. That is something that, like, is one of the hardest things to do. Sager, mm-hmm. in an interview, although he's wearing the crazy outfits and more people are, like, we're focused on the outfit instead of Craig Sager, the thing that I liked about Sager is he could ask you a tough question mm-hmm. and not make it feel like he's punching you in the face. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he could, had, he had could, a lot of those moments. He could ask you that question where it's like, this is a little controversial question, but I'm not punching in the face for it. He made it a friendly question. Yeah, yeah, made made it easier on the players, easier mm-hmm. on the coaches. I think uh, definitely especially got some more Popovich. info, especially Popovich. He had a great relationship with Pop. Uh, yeah, no, I mean Craig Sager, fantastic guy. Um, I highly recommend if you haven't heard it, listen to his Jimmy V speech. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's fantastic, and it's one of the all time best. Um, Outside I, of Jimmy V himself, really. yeah, I say and Stuart Scott. Yeah, th- those are the big three. Um, but no, I mean he'll definitely be missed across the NBA, and I'm happy that. Uh, in the last couple of years, he he got a lot more notoriety and you know respect for what he's been doing because I didn't realize how long he'd been doing it. I didn't realize how many major moments in sporting news that he was involved with. Like the whole, he was the first guy on the field there with Hank Aaron after mm-hmm. he hit home run seven fifty five. Like in a white trench coat, of course. No, seven fifteen. That was when he broke. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just like like most major sports things happen, and he he was just there and he was just doing his job, and it just kind of blows my mind to think that somebody. Got to do that for as long as he did, and he still had the passion for it at the end. You get jealous of him too, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely jealous of Craig Seager's career, and, and uh, it, it, it's something ridiculous. The fact that I mean, he's been able to do that for such a long time, and and really go unnoticed before you know this this came out because you know people take sideline reporters for granted, and and, and and that's the one thing that when you when you when you look at a guy like Craig Sager, I mean, he he made sideline reporters stand out because of his his theatric, because of his outfits, because of uh, of his ability to bond with players, and and, and obviously uh, Craig Sager is definitely going to be missed. And I I know that I think we we all have uh, a big respect for Craig Sager, and and the fact that uh, I didn't mention him early kind of uh, kind of pisses me off because hey, he, you got to end the podcast with the best, right? That's true, and that's true, and, and definitely check out the Jimmy V speech that he did, and also TNT put something together yeah, together a I video did. package. I think it was like four minutes long, and it, it was great, you know, kind of encapsulating his career. So definitely check that out. Um, and, and we are we are Sager strong here, and uh, we're definitely going to miss uh, Craig Sager. Uh, is, it the picks, is it the picks video this week, or is it uh, one of your Both. previews? All your, previews and picks. Where you're uh, going Sager yeah, strong. I'm going, I'm going Sager strong with uh, with my outfit. So uh, we're, we're t- tune into the picks video and preview videos if you do want to check that out. Uh, but, yeah, thank you for, for, for bringing that up, Ricky. Um, I forgot my train of thought. It was really uh, – it was about uh, Milwaukee kind of hindering uh, Giannis, but it kind of feels pointless now but anyways uh thank you so much for listening to the fast break podcast don't forget to check out patreon.com slash podcast if you do want to help us uh and support us just a little bit more and also don't forget to check out our twitters and facebook so you can contact us and, and get in touch but anyways for ricky whitmer for dave oster i'm sean anderson and we will see you next week thank you for listening to this mvp podcast follow us on twitter at most valuable pod for more great podcasts